Good morning. Good to see everybody here today. I've spoken many times um, about my fascination with history. I actually had the opportunity and privilege to live in Pennsylvania for about 10 years. And I, I love history. I love Civil War history. Uh, I, I love anything that have to do with that era. But one thing that always fascinated me was every chance I, I got, I was able to go to the Gettysburg Cemetery. And it's a cool place. And, and what is interesting about that, that, of course, you know, it's a national park. It was dedicated to the men who died uh, in the Civil War. And something amazing to me that is at the Gettysburg Museum or cemetery where the soldiers are actually buried in a circular pattern. Uh, it's kind of in a half moon and it's kind of neat. Outside that has actually become a national cemetery. It's a memorial park where soldiers from every war, whether it be the Spanish-American or World War I or II, is, is there. And going through there, I would notice that there were Congressional Medal of Honor winners and different headstones and things that had different epitaphs. I don't know about you. I know most of you probably try to stay away from a cemetery. But <clears throat> at the same time, I think they're very interested. And in my 20 years of ministry, I've had the privilege of doing a lot of funerals. Now, I will say this. I have, I have um, been and seen some that are different than others. And, of course, a cemetery is a sad place for us from a secular perspective because to us, as human beings, we all die, okay? And that, that we go to a cemetery to bury the one that we loved and may go back and visit the memorials, put flowers up. But from a secular perspective, that is a final resting place, if you will. But quite honestly, for the born-again believer, it's a place of celebration, Okay, and, and I want to share that this morning, and I've titled the, uh, the, the sermon Celebrating in a Cemetery. Now, I'm not saying that people go and cut cartwheels, and you'd kind of think that was kind of odd, odd to see that. But for the born-again believer in Jesus Christ, uh, a cemetery is, is resurrection ground, okay? Now, I'm going to be quite honest with you. For those that are not in Christ, it's over. You're either in the presence of Christ or you in hell. There, there's no other way to tell you that. But for us that are born again, that are sitting here, that are celebrating Jesus Christ each and every day, death is not something to be feared. But to understand that God will walk with us each step of the way. But we as Christians, we do struggle and have problems with it. And I'm not saying that when your loved one leaves, you're not sad. We grieved. And what I want to share with you this morning is a very beautiful story that you'll find in the chapter 11 of the book of John. And if you have your Bibles, please turn with me because I want to show you some things about Christ. And what I'd ask you to do, I know it's a long passage, but if you could stand with me and I'm going to read this passage to you and we're going to go through it and I'm going to give you some points this morning to encourage you today as we talk about a celebration in a cemetery. Let us read the Word of God. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of, Lazarus of Bethany, in the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sister sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not meant for death, but is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified in it. Now Jesus loved Martha 
and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after he, this, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And yet you are going there again? And Jesus replied, are they not 12 hours in a day? If anybody walks during the day, he will not stumble because he who sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks during the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. This he said after this, this he said after this, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going so that I may awaken him from his sleep. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will come out of it. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of actual sleep. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus died. And I am glad, listen, I am glad for your sake that I was not there so that you may believe. But let's go to him. Therefore, Thomas, who is called Didymus, said unto his fellow disciples, let's also go, also go so that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for four Days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about 15 stadia away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha, or 15 or two miles. Uh, so and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary's to console, console them about their brother. So then Martha, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha then said to Jesus, "Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died." Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you, Jesus said to her. Your brother will rise from the dead. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, and even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, and he who comes into the world. When she had said this, she left, and Mary called her sister, saying secretly, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard this, she got up quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still at the place where Martha met him, and the Jews who were with her in the house were consoling her. And they saw that Mary had gotten up quickly and left, and they followed her, thinking that she was going to the tomb to weep. So when Mary came to the place where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews came with her weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? Jesus said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could this man who opened the eyes of the man was blind not have also kept this man from dying? So Jesus, again, being moved, <clears throat> deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave, and a stone was laying against it. Jesus removed, said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead. I love the King James Version. It says, he stinketh. Hold on to this. He's been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say that you, if you believe... You will see the glory of God. So they removed the stone. And Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. But I knew that you always hear me. Nevertheless, because of the people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And, out the man who, and came out the man who had died, 
bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Now, I want you to, you may be seated. Now, I'm going to give you a very interesting narrative of this because I want to walk with you through it because as us, as those who grieve when people die, we ask and often wonder questions about why things happen. Now, take into consideration that if you'll go back to the first slide, when Jesus is away with his disciples, Lazarus, whom he loved, and the word there comes from the Greek word phileo, we get Philadelphia, or brotherly love, uh, from this Greek word. But it is a love of emotion and affection. Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick. And I want you to think about this for a few moments. And something that we should learn as I walk through this narrative. So when he's sick, Mary and Martha, whom his brother, did what they were supposed to do. They sought Jesus. Now think about this for a few moments. What they did is exactly everything that we should do. In every situation or trial and tribulation, the first person we should go to is Christ. They did what was right. They knew that he loved their brother. And they knew that the first person that they could go to, who he was, who he said is was, was, was Jesus. And I want to encourage you with this. Now, as we go through this, you're going to say, well, the story kind of is kind of a little bit weird, but, but I don't understand. But I want you to think about this. Every situation, regardless of what it is, or regardless of the outcome, the first person you should go to is Christ. Period. And you say, well, but sometimes things don't go the way they should. Sometimes people are not healed. Sometimes people are, they die. Sometimes people are sick. And they care deeply for their brother. But they sent word to Jesus, who is the first person that they went to and that we should always go to. Now, take into consideration that Jesus, when he hears this message, he doesn't immediately leave. He lingers. He stays just a little bit longer, and Lazarus dies. Now, as Lazarus dies, the disciples don't understand. They say, and you know, well, why do you want to go back to Judea? They tried to stone you there. Why do you want to do this? Well, I mean, you know, he's sick, he's asleep. Well, if he's asleep, technically he'll wake up. But Jesus said, no, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad that I was not there. Now, I want you to think about this for a few moments. You see, if you've ever read the book of John, if you read John, especially chapter 20, the book was written that you may know that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. The Gospels were written where Jesus is King, Jesus is the Son of Man, Jesus is a servant. But the book of John was written that you may know that Jesus Christ was the Son of the living God. So John, as he records this, he's going through this narrative to show you that, look... Lazarus is dead. And I love Lazarus. 
But we're going to stay just a little bit longer. So the story goes on to say in the next slide that as he, as he tells them this, listen to what he says in verse 4. This sickness is not meant for death, but for the glory of God. I want to give you a few points as we go through this. I was going to wait to the end, but I get excited, so I'm going to give it to you anyway. How do we celebrate in a cemetery? Now, let's look at verse 4. He says, But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not meant for death, but it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified in it. We celebrate by Christ's providence. Listen to me. I want you to understand that Jesus Christ is in control. Even when you don't think He is, He is. And you may say, well, Chad, I, I don't understand that how can He be in control? He hindered for several days. Why did He do that? Because, let me tell you something, regardless of how long somebody's been dead, Jesus Christ can still bring them to life. And what he is saying is, I am doing this to show God's glory and to show you I am who I say that I am. God is in complete control. His son Jesus has got you. Now, I want you to be clear of something. And I want to make this as I go through. Like I said, I was going to the end, but I just, God just led me to change. So I'm going to change. Look. Okay. Mary and Martha sinned for Jesus. Right? But Lazarus dies. Not every prayer you pray will be answered in the affirmative. Now listen to me. This is very key. You see, the Bible records that Lazarus wasn't the only person that Jesus raised. You'll find this in the book of Luke. He rose two in the book of Luke. But have you ever thought he didn't raise John the Baptist when his head was cut off? Did he? Jesus does not allow everyone to be healed. Some of you will die in your sickness. Some of us will have things not go our way. You will not be rich. You may be, but for the most part, Jesus never promised that. I'm not going to stand up here and say, that Jesus is going to make every one of you healthy. I may leave this world before any of you. You may leave it before me. But listen, this sickness is not meant for death. There's no sickness meant for death. Listen to me what I'm saying. But for God's glory. Because if you were saved, it's not the end, people. It's the beginning. I think a lot of times... Christians spend more time praying saints out of heaven than they do for sinners that are going to hell. It is all for God's glory. Sometimes you will not be healed. But Jesus is always enough. We can't forget that. You know what? Every one of his disciples except John died a horrible death. A horrible God did not stop that, did he? But somehow, shape, form, or fashion, it is for God's glory. 
You see, I shared this a little bit ago with our group upstairs in our Sunday school, if you will. That I have questioned God, and I shook my hand at Him and said, God, I do not understand why these things have happened. And God made it very clear as I had to sign my papers, and my wife did, for my daughter to have this excruciating surgery when she was an infant. I, as her dad, had to make the decision for her greater good. That's your heavenly Father, people. That we may not understand what we're going through, but God does it for His glory and the greater of our good. You may say, well, Chad, how can that happen when there's sickness and death involved? Because I can tell you this, one thing about celebrating the providence of God is knowing that He sees things that you can't. You do not understand nor can see in the future what God sees. If God is who He says He is, He's all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-present. And He created all things in His, His name and His image by His Word. He knows more than you do. Let me give you an example, and I'll go a little bit farther with this. You see, uh, Justin and I were talking a little bit about this just a few moments ago, about Jim Elliott. If you don't know who Jim Elliott is, I ask that you look him up on the Internet. Or if you read Beyond the Gates of Splendor, it's a beautiful book about him and four other mission, the missionaries that were killed by the Alka Indians. They went in to do God's work, and it cost every one of them their lives. How horrible that is, and it was tragic. But let me tell you what happened as a result of their lives being lost. What was for man's ruin was for God's glory, because I can't tell you the countless people that were saved. Do you see what I'm saying? Eternity and God's glory is worth it all. Let's move a little bit further. So let's also celebrate, number two, God's purpose. One thing, or Christ's purpose, was one thing that you'll understand that through this is God's plans never fail. It was His intention to stay where He was and linger for a little while. Why? That you might believe. Listen to me. That you might believe that Christ is who He says He is. I believe that every single human being that is on this earth was created for a purpose. I believe Christ has a purpose for you. You say, what about the evil plan? God, people, God has used evil people throughout history, and it's for His glory and for His purpose. Not everybody's going to do what we think they should do, but I can promise you Christ is, still has a purpose for them, and it's for His glory. Would you agree with that? You can't thwart that. You can't argue with it. And Jesus had a purpose. He had a purpose, and we should, as born-again believers, that knowing when we stand before that grave, we stand before that death, that understand, know that God is first and foremost in control. Number two, He's got a purpose and a reason for it. That's not always easy to accept. And I'm here to tell you that. I can't tell you that everything's going to be A-OK. -okay. I'm tired of having churches say that and preachers say that. Look, as the old ball coach said, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. Okay? That's life. Things happen. But God is in control and He has a purpose for all things. Let's move on to the next slide. Look what he says. This he said, after he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. And the disciples said, disciples said to him, Lord, if he fallen asleep, he'll come out of it. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of actual sleep. So Jesus said plainly, he's dead. The man's not asleep, he's dead. And this is where the celebration gets 
great. Now listen to me. The Bible tells me, go to the next slide if you would. See, I got excited. I've done messed them up and messed me up. I don't know where I'm going, but look. He was away, and Jesus stayed, okay? Now, when he gets back, Mary and Martha have two different reactions, okay? But bear with them. People grieve in different ways. So I'm not going to go off on Mary and Martha. Some theologians will debate this and go, this one's this. Look, man, they're grieving. Their brother's dead. But let me tell you something about Christ. Listen. We celebrate, number three, the humanity of Christ. If there's anybody that knows what you've gone through, it's Jesus. Listen to me. He loved this man. He had an emotional affection. The other two people Jesus didn't know really physically, but he raised them from the dead. Jesus loved Lazarus. He loved him. He loved his family. And the Bible will say, the shortest verse that you learn in Sunday school, Jesus wept. He cried. Sorrow. I believe he cried for the loss of Lazarus. I also believe he cried for the unbelief. But I will tell you this. Jesus was a man. Jesus had to be completely man and completely God to die for your sin. Please do not miss this. People say, you don't know how I feel. You are correct. I do not. But I know that when I go to that grave and I grieve over somebody that I have loved or somebody I have had a relationship with, Christ knows exactly how I feel. And He knows how you feel. That is the humanity of Christ. I sometimes think we forget about this. Jesus, when He was hungry... He ate. When he was thirsty, he drank. Jesus felt just like you do from a human standpoint, but he was sinless. He had to be 100% fully human and 100% fully God to be who he said he was. So he can relate to your humanity. That I trust. That please trust me. And he weeps over his friend and he consoles. Mary and Martha. But let me tell you something. There's no greater peace than knowing He who made you and He who saved you knows exactly how I feel. You ever thought about that? He knows how you feel. And Mary and Martha did the right thing. They went to Him first. But please understand as I will reemphasize this point that just because Jesus knows and just because He can doesn't mean that Jesus will. This is very important. But it's about your faith for God's glory. Is Jesus Christ enough? You must ask yourself that. Is He enough? That regardless of what happens, I will cling to my faith. I cannot help so many times going to the three men before the furnace. If it be God's will, He will deliver us from your hand. And He will deliver us from this fiery furnace. But if not, we still will not bow down before your graven image. Is your faith enough? Every one of us will not be healed. Every one of us will die. Every one of us will go through hardships. Every one of us will find things. Somehow, sometimes He delivers us out of them. Sometimes He leaves, leaves us in them.
But what he does do is stay with us and he'll never leave us or forsake us here. Because regardless of what you go through, Christ is there with you. Amen? So all these people come to console Mary and Martha. And Mary said to him, listen, this is beautiful. 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And she believed that. She believed it. She believed he was who he said he was. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. That's faith right there. I sometimes forget, think we forget that line. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise from the dead. Now listen to what she says. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise in the resurrection of the last day. You know what? Because he knew who Jesus was. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. There are a few times that Jesus says, I am. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. We discussed this this morning in our Sunday school class. In the beginning, as God created the heavens and the earth, Jesus, God said, and let us create man in our image. Let me tell you something. Jesus has always been and will always be. Anybody says that he hadn't, they're heretics. And that's a hill I'll die on. Well, Jesus really became... Jesus has always been and will always be. Before Abraham was, I am. I didn't say it. Christ said it. And I believe him. Let's just back up for a minute since I'm on that point. In the beginning was the Word. The Word there is capitalized. It means logos. It means I am the final authority. I am the Alpha and Omega, as he says in Revelation. Alpha, the first letter of the Greek alphabet, and Omega, the last. He who was in the beginning is he who is in the end. Don't ever forget that. God wasn't created. He is the creator. But he says, I am the resurrection. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Next slide. She says, she said to him, Lord, I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, and he who comes into the world. When he had said this, she left and called Mary her sister, and the teacher is here, and they went out to her. Next slide. This, I want to get to this. This is great. They both cry out, Jesus, if you would have been here, he would not have died. But look what he says. Next slide. Therefore, when Jesus seen this and hears this, and he sees the people, he's deeply moved, and he weeps. Then he said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. And Jesus was saying, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could this man who opened the eyes of the blind not have also kept this man from dying? This is very important. Now listen to me. I want to go with this week. Did Jesus heal every blind man? Did he? Well, the Bible don't record he did. He don't heal everybody. Now, have I made that point clear? He don't make everybody wealthy. 
He is always enough. So people don't believe. Now see, this is what I want to start on this for a few minutes. I'm not going on a tangent. Yes, I am, just for a minute. Well, if you'd have had enough faith, they would be all... You tell me five men that went to the Alka Indians that were willing to give their lives for the cause of Christ didn't have enough faith. You telling me that Christians that are getting killed every single day that you don't hear about don't have enough faith? Well, the reason they're not healed, they don't have enough faith. You know what? They may die. That don't take away from the faith. I have been beside saints who have been sick that were dying was as yellow as a crayon and said, God is good. And they died because Christ was enough. I want to reemphasize this fact and this story for this very reason. Not everybody's healed. And not, you don't have these people that are going out and said, man, I'm going to raise this one from the dead. I'm going to heal this person. Man, let me tell you something. There's no man that heals. Christ alone heals. Period. Well, that person was healing people. I see what? Tell them to meet up with me and we'll go to the Shriners Hospital for a while. Let's go to a few nursing homes. I hope I strike a nerve with that one. Because I'm going to tell you something. People die. But when people die in Christ, they live. I had to go on that tangent for a minute. But I'm telling you right now, that's very clear. The skeptics say he could have kept him from dying. Isn't that what skeptics say? Remember what they told him on the cross? If you be the Son of God, come down and save yourself and what? And us. Always looking out for us. But Christ does what He does regardless of the outcome for God's glory and for your greater good. Jesus said, did I not say that you believe you would see the glory of God? So they removed the stone and Jesus raised His eyes and said, Father, I thank You that You have heard me. But I knew that you always hear me. Nevertheless, because of the people standing around, I said it so they may believe you sent me. Let me show the doubters I am who I am. And those doubters, some of them would believe. But God used Lazarus to show that he was the Son of God. And when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man stunk. I don't know if you know about death, but let me tell you a little story. I used to help a funeral home a little bit and, uh, with some ministries, and I'm going to tell you something. What you don't understand is when somebody leaves this earth, the moment they leave, they start decomposing. Okay? Natural cycle of life. Lazarus wasn't embalmed. He was stuck in the tomb that he would return to the earth just as quickly as he came out of it, okay? Now, what's very interesting about this statement is this. Embalming prolongs the appearance so you can look at somebody, but don't change the fact that they're dead. You see, here's what's interesting about this. The Egyptians tried to do this and preserve every single thing they have and take everything they had with them to the grave. It's mighty interesting that 5,000 years ago, we still find all their stuff. So how'd that work out? 
you leave this earth, you will return to what you became from came from. And this man stinks. He's decomposed, but Christ give him life. Lazarus, come forth. This is the last thing I want to give you in celebrating that I want you to double underline 15 times if you have to. We celebrate Christ resurrecting power. Now I want you to hear me on this. Lord, He stinks. He's dead. He is in the tomb. Let me assure you of this. When you are born into this world, and I'm going to give you the moral of all this story, you stink. What do you mean, shut off stink? Every one of you are born into sin. And you are decaying every day that you live. Listen to me. Your life is decaying you. Sin is eating away at you every single day. You were born sinners. Just as sin entered the world with one man, what? Death entered with him. We are depraved. We are sinners and born into it because of whom? We studied that this morning. Adam. He sinned, therefore damning, uh, uh, damning humanity, if you will. Cluttering it. But not only are we born into sin, we're willful transgressors against the Word of God. Because at one time or the other, we think that our way is better than God's way. Would you agree? As Frank Sinatra said, let's do it my way. Love yourself first. Have your best life now. No. Don't work that way. You see, because each person is born with that heart, not only do they run from God, they're willing to do so. But Jesus, listen to me. Just like he called Lazarus from his physical death, he calls out to you to remove you from your spiritual death. Do you hear me? See, this is beautiful. Lazarus was dead in the tomb, just like you were dead in your trespasses. But God said, Sinner, come forth and believe and repent. That's what Jesus does. Listen to me. He resurrected you. You were not a bad person. You were not a good person. You were a dead person. Do you hear me? Jesus did not come here to make good or bad men good. I'm so tired of hearing that. They's good in all men. No, there's not. It don't mean men can do good things, but the Bible says very clearly in Isaiah, for our righteousness is what? Filthy rags. Romans tells us, for we all have sinned and all have come short of the glory of God. We are sinners. We are born into it. We roll in it. We love it. But God in His infinite mercy, while we were yet dead, He calls out and says, come forth. And forgiveness is available to all who believe and repent. Amen? Listen to me. Jesus raised Lazarus from his physical death. Bless his heart, the man had to die again. But I'll tell you this. I bet the second time was a charm, amen? Because the same Christ that resurrected 
Lazarus from his physical death is the same Christ that will resurrect you from your spiritual death. Because I can promise you that without Christ, there is no hope. And let me tell you, when you go to a cemetery, and we may grieve, and that's okay. Martha and Mary did, because they lost their brother. It is okay to grieve. You know why? Because Jesus did. People say, well, grow up and get over it. Jesus wept. And if the Savior of all mankind can weep, so can I. You hear me? But understand this. I don't celebrate because somebody I know personally left this world. I celebrate when those who are in Christ leave this world, they got something better than what they ever had right here. And I'm going to tell you what's so beautiful about this. There's some people that I love deeply that have made an impact in our, my life that is in heaven. And even though I miss them, I love them, I hurt because they are not here. I can promise you I wouldn't want them to come back. You know why? Because it's a lot better than it is here, brother and sister. And they're not having their best life, or we're not having our best life now. They're having theirs. You hear me? Listen, we celebrate God's providence because He's in control. We celebrate God's purpose because He knows what He's doing. Because God's timing and ours is different. Have you ever thought about that? I want to go back on this for a few moments. You know those people that are always late? You know those people that are always early? I work with a guy that shows up. We don't start work to 6 o'clock and he's always there at 4.30. I go, man, have you lost your mind? I need that extra hour or 10 of beauty sleep. Well, I need a lot longer than that for beauty sleep. But what I'm saying is, look, I need my time. But somebody likes to get there early. But let me tell you something about Jesus. He's right on time. And his time and my time are different. Why? Because I want things done my way. But Christ does things his way. And I'm glad he's in control. Amen? So we celebrate his purpose. We also celebrate his humanity. That I can go to Jesus and say, Oh, Father, look, I don't have to go to a mediator. I don't have to go to a priest. I don't have to go to a preacher. I don't have to go to a man that thinks he's very holy. I can go to Jesus. Man, isn't that great? Because of being born again, the Bible says we are priesthood of believers. You know what that means? You know what that means? We can go to Christ directly. We can go to Christ directly when we sin, and He will forgive us. We can go to Christ directly when we hurt, and He will sustain us. Do you hear me? Isn't that beautiful? You don't serve an impersonal Savior. You serve a personal one. And we can celebrate His humanity because He who knew no sin became sin and died for us. And number four, we celebrate Christ's resurrecting power. He who brought Lazarus from a physical death will bring you out of a spiritual one. If you believe, believe and repent. The gospel, the good news. That Jesus Christ made it clear, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, that's one of the most beautiful verses that anybody's ever heard, and one that most people can quote. But what He is saying is not that you believe that Jesus, but you believe in Jesus. There's a big difference. Demons believe that Jesus exists, and they tremble, according to the book of James. 
But believing in Jesus is committing to Him. Committing all aspects of your being to Him. Knowing just like Mary and Martha, my brother may raise today or he may raise tomorrow, but I know it's Christ who will make him raise. See, that's what it's about. Believing in Jesus is committing to Him. And believing the gospel and holding to the proclamation of the work and person of Jesus Christ means this. That you turn from your sin and you follow and cling to Christ. That's salvation. And we proclaim the work in the person of Christ boldly. Because brothers and sisters, that's good news in life. And I promise you, that's good news in death. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to You today. Lord, we thank You for Your grace. We thank You for Your mercy. We thank You most of all for Your Son Jesus who went to Calvary and paid a debt He did not owe because we owed a debt we could not pay. God, we pray today that, Lord, if there is one that is not a born-again believer in Christ, that, Lord, they would turn to You in faith and repentance because You are the giver of life. God, as born-again believers, we're going to go through trials and tribulations. There are those sitting here today that have lost loved ones, spouses, children, family, friends. But God, death is not the end for the believer. It's just the beginning. God, I pray today that if there's one that is not yours, Lord, that you'd convict them before it's eternally too late. And Lord, for those that are believers, Lord, I pray that the same... Jesus, that you are, that have saved us, Lord, give them the strength and assure them that you will sustain us. Because, God, there's nothing that we can do without you. But, Lord, we can do all things through you to strengthen us. Lord, that doesn't mean we're going to run a 17-mile marathon or whatever, 26 miles or whatever it may be. Don't mean we can climb Mount Everest. Don't mean we'll be a professional baseball player. But what it does mean is, Lord, we are found content in you because you will sustain Christ is always enough. And Lord, I thank You for that. Lord, I pray that You encourage the people. That You encourage us, but also embolden us to share the good news that Jesus Christ saves. And Lord, we'll give You the praise and glory for all things. And all God's people said, stand and worship with us. Just briefly, Chad mentioned... Um...